Well, friends, I have already had one too many marshmallow peeps this morning, so I'm a little bit more jazzed up than normal, so you have to bear with me. But I'm excited, so excited that you are here and that we all get to be together today. Uh, a couple things on the front end as we begin the message. First is I've got to take this off. You saw it, right? I wore it. I, I was dressed up for Easter. It's just enough of this, man. I've got to put on a bro tank or something afterward. But you can't talk about heaven being all stuffy, right? So we've got to talk about heaven. Uh, speaking of, I need you to do me a favor and turn to the person on your right and say, I cannot believe they're going to let someone like me into heaven. Now you got to turn to the person on your left and say, but I really can't believe they're going to let someone like you into heaven. You see, this morning we are talking about heaven, a new sermon series, in fact, called Afterlife. And I think over the next couple of days and weeks, the things that we talk about and study, well, they are going to surprise you. They are going to be things that maybe you can't believe. Because to be honest with you, they're almost too good to be true. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, all good things must come to an end? And how many of you hate the fact that that is true more often than not? like that piece of Oreo Dream Extreme Cheesecake over at the Cheesecake Factory. All good things must come to an I don't know about you, but that last bite, it's so like, no, don't go. I love you. I love you. And unless I take out a second mortgage, I can't afford another piece of you. Or how about that great song on the radio? It comes on, your favorite song, but you realize it's over. Like, no, no, you did stop the feeling. You turned the song off. How about that great vacation you just took? The one where you played at the beach, you enjoyed some golf, you, you drank some mixed beverages by the pool, you got a great tan, you rocked out those board shorts like a boss. Sorry, it was a vacation I just took a few weeks ago, uh, reliving the memories. But guess what? It came to an end. A very, very difficult end, because I kid you not, I went from playing at the beach with my family in 80-degree temperature to back home shoveling my driveway in a freezing snowstorm. And those from Colorado laughed. You see, it sure does look and feel like all good things must come to an end. But there's something deep inside of us that just doesn't want that to be true Something deep inside of us that cringes at the thought of certain things coming to a close. And nowhere is that more apparent than with life itself. Because you see, what's true for cheesecake and a great song and a relaxing vacation is also true with life. One day, this good thing will come to an end. And that doesn't sit very well with a vast majority of us. I mean, think about the language that we use when we talk about death or when we describe death. Oftentimes we say that death cheated us, that it's not fair, it happened too soon, that it's senseless, that it's always tragic. I mean, the very words that we use show that something's wrong with it, that it's not normal, that it's not natural, that we don't like it. You know why that is? You know why death feels so unfair, so cruel? Well, the Bible tells us, Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has made everything beautiful in its time. And he has also set eternity in the human heart. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So do you know why death is so heartbreaking? 
Because God has literally placed eternity in your heart. I mean, deep inside of you is a longing for life, more life, unending life, eternal life. And so when life comes to an end, we feel slighted, right? We feel snubbed, like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want this good thing to come to an end. Cheesecake is one thing. My life, that's another. That's because God has placed the longing for unending, eternal everlasting life he has literally placed that inside of your heart deep within you is the craving for more and when i say in our hearts i'm not just saying our hearts like us here this morning or americans or christians or those living in the 21st century see anthropologists have yet to find a culture in all of human history that does not believe in some sort of afterlife everyone throughout all of time, wants there to be, thinks there will be, hopes that there will be more. Some call it nirvana, some call it reincarnation, others the happy hunting ground. But we all long for life. And that's because the author of life, the God of life, has placed that deep within you. All right, now think back with me to that list of things that came to an end. Oh, my cheesecake, my vacation, my song. Something else that frustrates me, though, when it comes to an end, a great movie. I don't know about you, but I love watching movies, love going to the theater, and it's something when the, when the lights turn back on and the credits start rolling, I'm like, darn, I gotta go back to real life. I hate when a great movie comes to an end, but there are three little words that can change everything at the end of the movie. Right? There are three little words that, as my kids would say, can turn your frown upside down. Those three little words, to be continued. Oh, I love seeing those words. To be continued, those three little words change everything. Sure, that part of the story is over, but the entirety of the story is not over. There's more to come, more to see, more fun to have, more popcorn to eat. There's more to be continued. And when you look at the empty tomb of Jesus, when you think about Easter Sunday, when you're using that word resurrection, Those are exactly the three words that I hope immediately come to your mind. Because this, the grave being rolled away, this is a statement that life is to be continued. In fact, this is the greatest to be continued the world has ever seen. I mean, the resurrection of Christ is a a fact. It's, It's proof to us. Because, see, he was walking around better than ever three days after he was dead and gone. And that proves to us there is life after this life. If Jesus was still rotting in the ground somewhere, if he was still sitting in the tomb, if we could go somewhere and look at his bones, well, then we wouldn't be here today. We don't have any hope for tomorrow, and you can stop thinking about forever. But Easter... And the Christian faith as a whole, it's based on the fact he's not in there anymore. It's based on the fact that the same guy who was buried on Friday was walking around on Sunday. And when he was walking around, he proved to everybody and for good, there is more life to come after this life. See, his death was not the end. It wasn't the end of his journey. It wasn't the end of his story. It wasn't the end of his existence But what's true for Jesus is also true for you. Listen to Christ's words about what happens after life. Matthew 25, 46. Then these unbelieving people 
will go away into eternal punishment. But those who are righteous and in right standing with God will go by his remarkable grace into eternal life. See, according to Jesus, after the earth comes eternity for everyone. According to Jesus, death ends nobody's story. Death ends nobody's existence. According to Jesus, when we leave here, we go somewhere else. In other words, to be continued. His life, your life, will be continued. Although some believe or claim that when you die, it's all over. You cease to exist. You just rot in the ground. Jesus said and then showed the opposite. When you leave this place, you go to another place. And for those who follow Christ, that place is called heaven. 2 Corinthians 5, 2. Right now we groan because we wish we could have our new body, which we will have in heaven. And to be honest with you guys, the possibility of heaven... The existence of heaven, the reality of heaven, man, it should excite us so much. We should get so amped and so pumped up. Let I me mean, think about this. If somebody told me my cheesecake was never going to run out, if someone told me that I could have a vacation that would last forever, better yet, if somebody told me on this unending vacation I could eat an unending supply of cheesecake, well, I'd be pretty excited. Shouldn't the same be true when it comes to heaven? That there's a life after this life? Shouldn't I be thrilled that after the earth comes eternity? Shouldn't I as a Christian be ecstatic that after I leave here, I go to heaven? Well, yes, I should be pumped up. But not many of us actually are. There's a saying that goes like this. We all want to go to heaven. We just don't want to go right now. So outside of a funeral, a memorial service, we never talk about heaven. We never think about heaven. Our hearts don't hunger for heaven. It hardly ever crosses our minds. And I believe that's because we have misunderstandings about it, misconceptions, if you will. Misunderstandings and misconceptions are a big part of our world. I've realized that recently. We misunderstand what certain emojis or texts mean, right? Frowny alien face followed by little clown face followed by little pile of poo clip art with the letters LOL. Huh? We misunderstand what our spouse means when they say, clean the house. Like, oh, you meant actually clean the house. Okay, anyway, sorry. And we misunderstand a lot of song lyrics. How many of you have ever heard somebody confidently yet unknowingly belt out the wrong words to a song? Maybe you have done this, right? A song comes on the radio. You start singing with all your might. Everybody else is just cracking up around you. They're like, what? What are you saying? No, 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 no. Jimi Hendrix doesn't say, excuse me while I kiss this guy. He said, excuse me while I kiss the sky. And Taylor Swift isn't saying, gotta love those Starbucks lovers. She says, a long list of ex-lovers. Although I like the misunderstood version better. So that's what I sing. But all of us have come to believe that certain song lyrics are true when they're not. Well, the same dynamic is played out with heaven. We believe a lot of things are true about that place when the Bible says, you're way off. There are three major misunderstandings I want to walk you through quickly this morning that I believe the resurrection clarifies for us rather clearly. And it's actually three misunderstandings that Jesus addresses in John 14. He says this in verses 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. So you believe in God. Now believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So the first misunderstanding that we have about heaven is that it's not a real place. Most assume heaven is something that we made up. It's some grandiose idea that we conjured up to feel better about life and to make it through death. But, but newsflash, heaven isn't our idea. Heaven is God's idea. And it's okay to talk about and long for heaven because Jesus talked about and longed for heaven. See, here in John 14, the disciples are sad because Jesus is about to die. And he says, whoa, don't let your hearts be troubled. You're not losing me forever. I'm just going to a different place. See, when I leave for work in the morning, my kids don't come to me and say, Daddy, don't leave us. We can't stand the thought. Like, that would be cool and really creepy all at the same time. They know I'm not leaving forever. They know I'm simply leaving to go to another place, a place called the church. They know they'll see me again. I'm just leaving them in that moment to go to another place. I think the same is true with Jesus. I'm not leaving you forever, guys. I'm just going to another place, a place called heaven. I'm not sure why so many people think that heaven isn't real, that in heaven we just float around all day long as disembodied spirits on the clouds, or that for it to be heaven it needs to be uber nebulous and vague and weird. And when you start talking about heaven, you have to sound really weird and strange and angelic or whatever. Really? Why would Jesus call heaven a place if it weren't a place? Why would he compare it to a house with rooms, a great city with trees, a garden with a river, a party with laughter, a wedding feast with food? Why would he compare it to all those things if it wasn't going to be like any of those things? I mean, he could have easily said, hey, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm leaving you forever, right? But, but don't worry. I'm just going to be absorbed into the, into the four winds, and one day we, our spirits will meld together again. He could have said that, but he didn't say, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know why he said that? Because he's talking about an actual place. If I told you I was going to Chick-fil-A over on Wadsworth, I would expect for you to believe that I was going to Chick-fil-A over on Wadsworth. Like, where have you been, man? I told you, Chick-fil-A at Wadsworth. Well, I thought you meant somewhere else. No, I meant Chick-fil-A on Wadsworth. When Jesus says, I'm going to heaven, we should expect him and believe him when he says, I'm in heaven. It's a place. And one day you can join me there. Now, Chick-fil-A shakes are heavenly, right? So in, in an essence, I'm kind of going to heaven too. Anyway, okay. But you see, Christ's words, Christ's comparisons regarding heaven, they're not exaggerations. They are explanations. Jesus is describing this place for us. It's going to be filled with real people, real things, real adventures, and real stuff to do. We're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. But the title of that little book had it right. Heaven is for real. Yes, it is. It is a real place. Heaven is just as real as that smelly, cold manger that Jesus was born in. It's just as real as that painful, shameful cross that Jesus died on. It's just as real as that empty tomb that Jesus walked out of. See, all of those things are real. Why? Because heaven is real. We don't get absorbed into the universe after we die. We don't fade away into oblivion. We don't float around. We don't cease to exist. We go to a real place. I mean, why else would Jesus have gone through this? Honestly. If this life is all there is, if nothing comes next, if heaven is not a real place, then you wouldn't do this. I mean, why would you sacrifice your life? Why would you willingly go to your death? Why endure the pain and shame of crucifixion? 
There has to be something more. The cross proves there's something more. You don't go through this so people can live a few extra lives on the earth. You don't go through this so you can have a happier time on the earth. You do this because there's something that comes after the earth. And you got to go there. you got to get there. you got to be there. And that's why Jesus would go through this. You don't do this so you can be a disembodied spirit. You don't die on the cross so people are just going to rot in the ground. You don't die on the cross so people will come back as cats or dogs. You do this because you want them with you in heaven. Real place. Real place. Don't be misunderstood. Right, another misunderstanding that we have about heaven is that it will be a better place. Now, most of us, after losing a friend or a loved one, we've been comforted uh, through the words of another with something along the lines of, well, at least now they're in a better place. And I want to say, a better place? Seriously, that's, that's all you can say now? Calling heaven a better place is an insult to God. That is far too lame. That is far too tame for heaven. Calling heaven a better place is like calling the Grand Canyon interesting. It's like calling Casa Bonita food edible. <laughs> it's like calling what's happening up here just barely receding. No, it's running. It's like calling what happened to this homeless guy, eh, kind of cool. Watch this. Porque me acuesto a las 10 de la noche, más o menos. Y a las 8 estoy arriba. Cambiar las cosas en mi vida, yo, yo sé que es casi imposible. Pero puedo hacerla más cómoda, hacerla más real. Pero hay que empezar con esto, la estética de uno, que es muy importante. Yo no soy José Antonio y ahora yo, que no me van a reconocer. Es que como no les diga quién soy, no me reconocen. Eh. No me van a reconocer, te lo aseguro el barrio entero, no me va a reconocer nadie. Es que he cambiado totalmente, no soy yo. Mejor, ¿no? No, ya, pero que, que alucine. Muchas gracias. Hola, 
Me voy a poner una caña. Una caña. Oh. Buenas tardes. ¿Lo parezco? ¿Lo pareces tú? No, soy yo, joder, me han hecho un cambio de luz. Que no te conozco ahora. Es que no, 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 me, no me reconocía la gente. No hago un par de fotos. Yo tengo el Ferrari, tío. Everybody knew about Jose because Jose had lived in that little foyer area, that little plaza homeless for 18 years. And you don't call the transformation that he went through a little better. You don't call it interesting. You call it incredible, do you not? Because that's what it is. And the same is true with heaven. The place that Jesus is talking about, the place that he's preparing for us, it's not just better. It's the best. It's the way life and love and relationships and creation were all designed to be. And can you imagine what it will be like? We're talking about God's house here. Just in, my, in my father's house. I have to imagine that God's house puts to shame any other house you've ever seen on, on uh, cribs or lifestyles of the rich and famous. This is God's house. We're talking about a place that is beyond our wildest imaginations. 1 Corinthians 2.9. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, And no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's this place, not just better. We're talking about a place where precious stones are used as the bricks. We're talking about a place where the asphalt, uh, that's gold. We're talking about a place where the music is sung by a choir of angels. We're talking about a place where creation is no longer full of thorns or thistles or disasters or weeds. We're talking about a place where evil and pain and suffering and sadness are completely removed from the equation. We're talking about a place where we are reunited with loved ones who have passed away. We are talking about a place where Patriot fans do not exist. Better? That's not better. That's the best. This place, this real place, is going to be greater than anything you could ever imagine. Matthew 25, 34, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now don't miss this. In John 14, Jesus says, I'm preparing a place for you. And here in Matthew 25, we learn he has been preparing this place since the creation Since the beginning of time. Think about it. Our entire galaxy, our universe, everything we can see, even those things that we can't see, it was all created by God in six days. Imagine what he's capable of if you give him thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. Better place? Uh-uh. It's the best place. And that's why Jesus did what he did for us on the cross. See, if heaven were just slightly better, If heaven is a small improvement over the earth, if heaven is just a slight upgrade, then you don't go to hell and you don't go through hell to get somebody there. The intensity and the pain of the cross correlates directly to the wonder and pleasure of heaven. As bad as that was is outmatched only by as good as that will be. Be. You with me?
So this place, very real place, and it's not just a better place, it's the best place you can imagine. The final misunderstanding that we have about heaven is the fact that everybody gets there. This is probably the, the most common misconception and misunderstanding. There's a great story about Albert Einstein. He's on a train one day in New Jersey. And the uh, inspector came through asking for everybody's tickets. And so the great scientist, the great inventor, was struggling to find his ticket. He was looking through his jacket pockets, looking through his luggage. He couldn't find his ticket. The inspector came up and said, sir, sir, it's okay, it's okay. I know who you are. He proceeded down the aisle, checking everybody else's tickets, only to look back a few minutes later, and there's Mr. Einstein on his hands and feet, looking under seat cushions, I mean, just tearing his little train car apart. Again, looking for his ticket. And the guy came back and said, sir, sir, it's okay, it's okay, Mr. Einstein. I know who you are. To which Albert replied, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where the heck I'm going. So you ask the average person where the heck they think they're going after they die, and what are they going to say? I'm going to heaven. It's just the default place that we all end up to, right? We confidently are all headed to heaven. But if all roads lead to heaven, if everybody just ends up there, then why did Jesus say what he did? Matthew 7, 21. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, it's not going to get you anywhere with me. What's required is serious obedience, doing what the Father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everybody talking. You know what I'm going to say to them? Now you missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourself look important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. See, Jesus couldn't say it any more clearly than this. When we die, every single one of us will hear God's voice and we will stand in front of God. We will stand before God's throne. But not everyone will be allowed into God's house. Not everybody gets in. And more than that, a lot of people, based on Matthew 7, are going to be really surprised that they're not getting in. But think about it. If everybody ends up there, if heaven is our default destiny, why did Jesus go to the cross? You're telling me there are other ways besides this? You're telling me all roads lead to heaven? Shoot, if just one other road led there, then don't you think God would have said, Jesus, take that road. Everybody else, take that road. No, the cross proves to me there's no other road. The only reason you send your son to die in this way is because that's the only way. He would have spared him had all roads led to heaven, but they don't. There wasn't a road, and the cross made one. And if you don't go this way, if you don't take this route, you won't get there. Jesus says, listen, guys, I am coming back to take you to be with me where I am. I'm the one who made the way. I'm the one who knows the way. I am the one who is the way. Nobody else. So not everybody's going to heaven, but everyone's invited. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. There are people who, make, who say that the claims of Christ are too exclusive. Really? That's the most inclusive claim I've ever heard in my life. Anybody, everybody, whoever wants can come on in. That's not exclusive at all. I remember back at our wedding day, we sent out the RSVP cards, right, to the people that we cared the most about, the folks that we wanted to be with us on that special day. But on the wedding day, I distinctly remember running into all kinds of random people that I've never met before and that I didn't know. Like, wait, wait, who are you? Oh, I'm, I'm Rebecca's cousin's ex-boyfriend twice removed. I, I was in town, thought I'd come. 
no, 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 no. Not for the price per head that we're paying here. You ain't invited. Get out. Well, you never have to worry about God saying that in heaven because everyone's invited. But you still have to RSVP. You still have to accept the invitation and respond appropriately. Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll go to that place. See, your eternal destiny hinges on whether or not you believe in Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Your declaration of faith, your confession, your belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that's your ticket in. That's your RSVP card. That's you saying, count me in. Let's party. Calvin Coolidge, the 30th president of the United States, was talking to a few senators one day, and the two senators got in a heated disagreement, heated argument. And one senator said to the other senator, well, you can go straight to hell. The guy looked at the president and said, can you believe what this guy just said to me? He just said, I can go straight to hell. Calvin Coolidge was holding his Bible, and he said, well, actually, according to what I read in this book, you don't got to go. You don't got to go. See, everybody, the entire world can go to heaven, but only those who trust in Christ will actually end up there. We're going to talk about heaven the next couple of weeks, and I'm so excited to share with you what we're going to do up there, how amazing it is, the adventures, the animals, the activities, all that's a part of that amazing place that Jesus is preparing for us. But who cares if you know everything about heaven, but you don't know Jesus? Who cares if you get everything right about that place, but you don't know about the one who will take you to that place? So I'm going to give you an opportunity to reserve your spot in heaven right now. In each of your bulletins is a little small RSVP card. If you didn't get one, we got a bunch of extras in the foyer. We've given you the card. We've given you the pen. We've given you a description of what the party's going to be like. RSVP your spot right now. Reserve your spot at the great banquet. Maybe it's for the very first time. Maybe you're like, man, I've never actually said, I do believe in Jesus. Easter, it's not just a little story I tell the kids around the springtime. It's, it's a reality. It's my ticket in to this next great life, this next great place. Count me in. Count me in today. I believe Jesus. Maybe you've been a Christian for many, many years. Well, on that card, I still want you to fill it out. I just want you to say, I can't wait to get up there and party. I've been looking forward to this thing for a long time now. Maybe you've been a Christian for 50 years. You became a Christian when you were at a teen camp back, back in the day. Well, you know what? You should be looking forward to the life that comes after this life. So remember, the party's, the party's waiting. You can drop your card off in the foyer. We've got baskets and ministers out there. I'll be down front if you want to talk more about this. But according to Jesus, all good things do not come to an end. Man, I'm hoping that is true about Oreo Dream Extreme Cheesecake. I'm hoping that's true when it comes to great songs. Hoping that's true when it comes to laying at the beach. But I know for a fact it's true when it comes to life. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, because Jesus robbed the grave, there is more to come. This life, all of our lives, is to be continued. Let me pray that over us and we'll get you out of here. God, You are such an incredible God. There is none like you in heaven above or earth below. God, you came came to us in the form of Jesus so that you would understand what life was like for us, God, so you could sympathize and, and, and relate. And we love that about Jesus. But then, not just that, God, you went above and beyond that, and you sent him to the cross. 
And on the cross, God, he died our death. He paid our debt. He suffered the consequences of our stupidity and our shame and our sin. And for that, we're so thankful. But more than that, God, you went another step. You rose him from the grave. You helped him to, to rise up out of that tomb. He's no longer in there. And by so doing, God, you conquered death. You proved to us there is more life to come. And when we're with you, when we know you, when we're connected to you, we will be with you where you are, which is in heaven. And so I pray that every single person here in this room this morning will RSVP their spot at the great banquet. That they will say, I'll take a room, please. And maybe, Lord, if we're Christian here, we've been so for a long time, maybe we'll say, I'd like to have a plus one as well. I'd like for this person in my life who doesn't yet know you, I'd love for them to be with me in that place too. So help us, God, to take this great truth, this great promise that you are preparing a great place for us. Help us to take that and share it with others. Help us to know that this is intricately and forever connected to you, your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Thank you, though, for this life, but more so for the life that is to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Have an amazing holiday. God bless you guys. Happy Easter. Take care.